You're listening to Tarot Talk, and I'm your host, Holly Ramey. I'm going to serve you some practical magic and give you tips and tools to bring the mystical into your everyday life. Welcome everyone. This is a little mini-sode. So it's my second kind of mini-sode, which is uh, not the full episode that you will hear on the full moon, which is coming up in about a week. Um, So this is just a short little podcast, uh, just me to you. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about emotional healing and the journey we take through the suit of cups in the tarot. So Libra season has been a little rough for many of us. And uh, what I've been seeing a lot in the readings and the Reiki sessions that I've been doing is a lot of stuff coming up around relationships. And we have to remember that Libra, the phrase for Libra is we are. So this very much can bring up the imbalances that we have in the way that we relate to others. Are we giving too much? Are we not giving enough? Do we not have healthy boundaries? And how do we communicate them? How do we communicate our love, right? Libra is an air sign and it is connected to the heart chakra and it is connected to the way that we communicate. So the throat chakra, right? Not just the way that we speak, but the way that we listen. And is that in line with our own personal and authentic truth? All right, you guys, so I hope you find this information helpful, even if you're not a reader, even if you don't know the tarot cards, although you probably do if you're listening to this podcast called Tarot Talk, but who knows, even if you don't, it doesn't matter because these themes are universal. So whether or not you study or practice tarot and astrology, I'm sure that there is value in the lessons and the themes, right? Because we're all here in this universal family and as above, so below, right? What's going on in the astral plane is is integrated down here into reality, whether you are kind of paying attention or not. Um, but I, again, think that if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're paying attention. So just a few announcements before I dive into the cards. Um, There's so much happening for Scorpio season, you guys. Scorpio season is coming up and it is, Scorpio represents the mystery. It represents death in the tarot. It represents um, the occult. And so uh, reading tarot is kind of, placed under the umbrella of Scorpio and Scorpio in my chart is in my second house, which is in my house of work of what I do for a living. And so I'm actually 
putting out a lot of offerings in Scorpio season, not on purpose, um, but kind of on purpose. It just kind of always flows that way. So to kick off Scorpio season, I'm going to be offering a new moon ceremony for those in Nashville come through. It's definitely one of my biggest and funnest ceremonies. Um, just kind of opening up into this season when the veil is thin, right? The veil becomes very thin in these um, seasons around the equinoxes. And uh, Samhain is uh, the kind of Celtic tradition or pagan tradition of Halloween. And it's said to be the time when the veil between worlds is the thinnest and we can communicate with our ancestors and we can communicate with spirit on a deeper level, right? So, um, yeah, that is on Sunday the 27th. You can sign up on my website. Then I will be offering, well, then the um, the sacred wheel is starting and this will be an eight week tarot journey. So I purposefully um, set the sacred wheel up so that it would start right after the new moon. And new moons are about new beginnings, uh, the beginning of a cycle and planting seeds of intention. So I really wanted the sacred wheel tarot journey to start on the day after the new moon for a fresh start and a new journey into the realm of the tarot. And yes, I purposefully made this um, in Scorpio season when the veil is thin and when you can really dive deep and connect into the mystery and the wild kind of unknown of the tarot journey. Um, the wild unknown is actually a tarot deck I read with for many years. Um so yeah, there are still spots available for that. That is in pre-sale until the new moon on the 28th. I might have a few spots or keep a few spots open in that first week, but after that, it's going to be a closed container so that every week you get new information and new videos will be uploaded and new PDFs and there'll be homework and there'll be time for question and answer. So a weekly live video with me. Um, so you'll, you'll get that personal experience as well. I'll connect you with other readers in my community. Um, and yeah, we're going to go through it all. You guys, we are going to go through it all. There is a lot of content. I have been making these videos for you all Libra season, and it's been a lot of work, but when you do what you love, it doesn't feel like work and it's been really exciting. And, um, I really love the content that I'm creating. It's, it's going to be really comprehensive. We're going to go through card by card. I'm going to teach you the overarching themes. We're going to get into chakra associations. We're going to get into medicine for each card. Um, we're going to get into the elemental wisdom, the archetypal wisdom, how we embody these archetypes, the practical tools that we can use to move through these energies and so much more. Okay, you guys, so if you're interested in the Sacred Wheel, that is, again, an eight-week online journey. It's all digital, so you can take it as you take it. It doesn't have to be, you know, show up at this time. Um, and that's really the beauty of this course. It's the first time I've done it this way, where um, the videos will be uploaded weekly, but you can watch them at your own leisure, okay? So that is, again, on my website under Courses to sign up. And if you 
you do have questions about the course, just feel free to, to email me or shoot me a DM on Instagram and I will help, um, you to answer any questions you have. I am also taking questions for this podcast. So if you want to, you can either ask a question to be answered through the lens of the tarot, meaning I pull some cards for you and give you a little mini reading on air, or you can ask me questions related to any of the esoteric practices that I do, and I will answer them as best as I can. So um, that's under the podcast tab on my website, there's a little questionnaire. It's just a little form that you fill out. So just be sure to keep it concise and also let me know how you want to be addressed. If you want me to use your name, your location, your initials, all of that. Okay, you guys. And the last announcement that I have is that one week after the new moon on Sunday, I believe it's November 3rd, I'm going to be offering a Reiki level one course. So this is a certification and an attunement into the Reiki energy. So I will teach you all about Reiki and how to facilitate it. I will actually pass the healing energy onto you and it will attune into your body over the course of a 20 eight-day chakra cleanse. You will learn how to give Reiki to yourself, how to give Reiki to other people, how to give Reiki to food and plants and animals and objects, and how it works, how to balance the chakra system, understanding the chakra system, and medicine and tools for balancing each chakra, and color therapy and stone therapy, and many uh, ways and resources for which to protect your own energy. Okay. So Reiki is great for anyone who considers themselves energetically sensitive, anyone who considers themselves an empath, anybody who works in the service industry, um, any kind of service where you are providing something and spending a lot of time around people. So if you're a hairdresser or a yoga teacher or someone who works in the medical field or just someone who works in retail that comes into contact with a lot of people's energy every day, Reiki can be a really great tool for learning how to ground and protect your own energy and how to offer um, energy to those who need it as well within the confines of your specific energetic boundaries. So very important. Um, I give two attunements in this Reiki training. I give a Reiki level one and a violet flame attunement, and I work under the lineage of Seikim, which you will learn all about if you join us. There is limited space in this, so if you do want to join, please just email me, holly at hollydramey.com, and if you need a payment plan or different payment options, just reach out to me, and we'll work together. Okay, you guys? So thanks for listening to those. Let's get right into um, looking at emotional healing through the lens of the suit of cups in the tarot. So the suit of cups in the tarot is uh, associated with the water element and the water element is associated with the second chakra. And I also associate water with a little bit of the heart chakra as well. I think of the heart as water and air. Now, 
The water in the second chakra, I think of more as like an ocean, right? It is deep and wide and it houses all of our emotional world. And then the demon of the second chakra is guilt. So the second chakra is very much about our wants. The root chakra is about our needs. The second chakra is about our wants and allowing wants, pleasure, desire into our life without guilt. This is non-attachment. Water is movement. Water is cyclical. Water is change. Water is the energy of the feminine and the moon. Okay? So there can be links to our mother, to the womb, to our sensuality, to our sexuality, links to the matriarchal lineage here, links to non-attachment and not attaching to our emotions, right? And then in the heart chakra, the give and receive of love and emotional empathy and compassion and forgiveness. So there's a lot to be said about the element of water and the suit of cups. Okay, the the cup suit starts with a few cards that are kind of sweet and beautiful. And I'm not going to focus too much on those today, you guys, because I really want to dive into the more challenging cups cards. And this episode was really inspired by um, the work that I was doing with one of my mentees. So we went over the suit of cups yesterday and she had a lot of questions about a few of the cards that seemed more challenging. And it's interesting because uh, what I told her is that some of these cards were very elusive to me. And so this has been a theme that I was even speaking about with my therapist this week about how um, I'm just starting to kind of really integrate and understand some of these cards. So just remember, like I've been a professional reader for almost five years now, and still I'm learning um, the different aspects of the way that some of these these cards can be presented and represented in my life. That's why I love the tarot so much because it just it allows for deeper and deeper learning. We can understand an energy on one level and then continue to go deeper and deeper with it. Okay. So, you know, the Ace of Cups is the new beginning, and this is where we get the opportunity to learn how to be more receptive, a new layer, a new level of self-care, of the way that we receive our cup, or the way that we receive care and love, and the way that we give it to ourselves. The two shows up as two cups. So when that, that level of self-love and self-care that we're allowing for um then it is reflected back to us in another. So we attract other people who are on the same vibrational level. So if we're not filling our cup at all and we're practicing self-betrayal, then we are going to reflect and mirror and bring people into our lives that also betray themselves and we're not going to be able to trust them. And there's probably going to be a bit of like codependency or victimhood stories in uh, within our relationships. And then the three of cups comes in 
And I call this the sisterhood card. Um, and it's kind of an, a, just a continuation of the two. So when in the two, we're looking at a one-on-one relationship, which that self-love and care is being um, reflected back to us. Sometimes it's a romantic relationship. Sometimes it's a business partnership or a friendship. It doesn't really matter. Um, the three then comes in as a more community. So this is going to be like your close friends, your close family, your sisters, your brothers, your tribe, right? And and allowing yourself to really receive support from the people around you, right? And how, how often do we say like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I don't need anything. I'm all right. And then we're like literally cool as a cucumber on top. But like if you look under the water, right? Like you can see like our legs are like flailing. So um It is our ability to receive love and support from community, from friends, from the people around you, and to really like allow for those resources. All of the threes kind of fall under um, uh, bringing resources in for support in some way. So with the cups, it's that emotion. So then I want to specifically kind of zero in on four through seven, which is where we kind of get into some difficulty. So the four of cups comes in as this form of like apathy and disassociation. We can also look at it as emotional greed. So it's when we are maybe asking for something from someone and they are, but we're not willing to give that ourselves. It could also be when we are disassociating from a part of ourselves that feels not good enough, that feels really wounded, that that's like some younger inner child part of ourselves. And we disassociate from it because we had to, right? So if our emotional needs weren't being met in our childhood or in a younger version of ourselves, and then we we as a form of protection, disassociate from that part of ourselves so that we can still function in the relationship with our parents or our caregivers. Um, And so what that can look like, like later on in adulthood is that we continue that disassociation, but that part of us gets triggered when we're in scenarios where um, we, it's a similar, um, relationship is the one we had with our parents. So this can often look like a relationship with a partner or a close friend. When we feel triggered, it's because we're usually not getting something that we want. And then that younger part of ourselves kind of pops up for a moment and throws a tantrum. Okay. So with the four of cups, you're going to look at the sense of apathy, the sense of disassociation from ourselves and the apathy, you know, the disassociation is what happens internally. <clears throat> and then the apathy is how it's viewed by others, right? Or or even by us when we just feel disconnected from a person or from a situation or from ourselves. So with the four, the medicine is to kind of look at what's being offered and look at the younger wounded parts of ourselves that need attention. So I strongly recommend with that some inner child meditation. Okay, you guys, moving into the five, this is deep grief and disappointment. And, you know, I I really hate when we hear the five spoken about as like self-pity. I I often hear this as like, oh, the self-pity card, you're feeling sorry for yourself. But in my experience, the five of cups is really a card about deep grief and disappointment. I've seen 
um, much heartbreak in this card, serious heartbreak, not just like, oh, I'm feeling sorry for myself. And I think it's when we, we stop and we allow ourselves to really sit in and feel that grief, that that is what brings the medicine of the five of cups when we let that heartbreak in. Now, in my personal experience, you know, um, one of my biggest heartbreaks was the loss of my brother. He committed suicide and it was shocking and heartbreaking and it happened in my late 20s during my Saturn return and it's just one of those kind of life altering situations where you feel like you've you've been broken. I remember when we were sitting in the office of the priest in the church and he gave us a little speech about the choice that we had and the choice was to become better or to become bitter. And with the five of cups, the man is standing and he has his head down and he's looking at three cups that have been spilled out. And there's two cups that are full behind him. And we have a choice. We do have a choice. We can look at the three spilled cups and become bitter and let that hurt continue to kind of bring us down for a long time. Or we can turn around and look at the cups that are full. Because even when our heart breaks open and we experience grief on a deeper level than we ever thought we could, um, there's also this rawness, this vulnerability um, that opens up and we become more willing and receptive to love than we've ever been before. And what I'll say about that period of time, although it was very, very difficult and painful, um, every single person that reached out to me, whether if it was with a big gesture or just the tiniest gesture of like a, I'm sorry on Facebook, all of it meant so much to me. It filled my heart with so much um, just like love and gratitude to feel the support of others. And so um, with this card, I urge you to recognize your grief. And I'm telling a pretty intense story, but grief, you know, it's relative, you guys. Like the grief that I felt um, over my brother could be similar to the grief that someone else feels over losing a job or a pet if they've never experienced grief on a different level. So there's no like measure for someone's grief. Everything is relative to our own experience. So don't um, assume that the loss has to be so vast that you can't honor it. If you lose a job, if you lose a pet, if you lose a boyfriend, grieve. Let yourself grieve. Loss is loss. And that is the lesson of the five is to let yourself feel the loss and move through the steps of grief and allow support in. Okay. And to use it to make yourself better, not bitter. Now the six of cups, and this is where um, it gets kind of tricky. So the six and the seven were the two cards that I was talking about with my therapist where I was like, these cards are not for me. Like I was never, I just don't, I don't, 
Um, I've never really physically or emotionally experienced this energy. The six of cups is supposed to be about like nostalgia and childhood memories and like the beauty of childhood coming back, but I don't actually have many memories of childhood. And so the six of cups always felt really lost on me. Um, like it was just something that wasn't, um, available or for me because my childhood wasn't, um, necessarily like easy and blissful. And then the seven really nods to like dream and fantasy and illusion. And again, that felt like something that was really lost on me because I'm like, I don't, I'm a, I'm a realist. I don't really like get, I don't practice escapism. I don't really get lost in, um, you know, fantasy and dream world, uh, that, that is again for people who have who've had more emotional stability and and they they can take the time to kind of get lost um but recently i've been seeing these cards showing up in my readings and so where the 6 of cups can be childhood nostalgia and going back to a time that was very playful and creative and fun um i also see it when we start to do some reparenting work in our adulthood, when we start to do some inner child healing in our adulthood, and when we start to give ourselves emotional support that maybe we had never received as a child. Um, and so I, I do look at the Six of Cups as really similar to the Four, attending to those wounded parts of ourselves. And yes, there is nostalgia there. There is looking back. However, we don't necessarily have to have specific and vivid memories of our childhood. We only need to feel the parts of ourselves that are present now. So if there are any of you that don't remember a lot of your childhood um, and feel a little bit lost in your in this card, um, know that the healing work of it is still available to you. Do inner child meditations and um, practice like journaling and practice recording your dreams as a way to work through the energy of this card because what comes out of it is more balance in the emotional realm. The sixes come underneath the lovers, the balance of give and receive, okay? So, you know, when I see this card reverse, I do. I think of people who were old when they were young, who had to grow up fast, who didn't get that kind of, you know, freedom of play. But when we move that card into the upright position, we get to experience play in our adulthood because we've built a strong support system for ourselves and then we feel more free. So moving into the seven with the deception and the kind of illusion, I think of this as fantasy. And what really woke me up to this was seeing a post done by the holistic psychologist on Instagram. And she talked about childhood fantasy and how when we're young and our needs aren't being met, we can project this fantasy on um our situation in order to just like feel safe. And so, um, this came up for me this week in, um, I got hurt. I, I pulled a muscle in my chest and I, I thought because <clears throat> of the pains that I was having in my chest that I had, um, I punctured my lung because this is something that happened to me when I was in college and they, I have a kind of high rate or likelihood of it happening again. And so it, it kind of put me in this like trauma situation where I, I was uh, really scared that um, I had punctured my lung and I, I 
projected this fantasy of being rescued, right? And I was alone. I was alone with my daughter, but I, I wanted help. And, you know, part of it was that I needed help and I, I needed to go to urgent care, just make sure everything was okay. But my partner was at work and he was at a new job and I, you know, had this fantasy that he would just like drop everything and run home for me. Um, but I didn't really know what's going on yet. I was, I was kind of stuck in a place of being very emotionally triggered and I reverted back to this childhood fantasy. And that can happen in any kind of situation um, where you where you expect in adulthood for some sort of rescue situation or for some some sort of external validation rather than supporting yourself in that moment, you're expecting the support to come in through um, validation from an external resource. Okay, they just started cutting the grass in my yard, so excuse the background noise. Hopefully it won't be too loud for you guys. Um, But yeah, so this is often projection of a fantasy in that way as a result of kind of a childhood trauma or a situation where our needs weren't being met and we created this for ourselves in order to feel safe. So with the seven, the medicine again becomes disengaging from that fantasy, disengaging from that illusion and bringing the support in ourselves. So that night, what I ended up doing is put myself in the bathtub with like 10 crystals on my body. And I stayed in there for literal hours, just relaxing as much as I could, feeling my breath, feeling my body and trying to disengage from the anxiety that was being produced, um, the fantasy that I was projecting. Um, and you know, escapism can run deeper than just like emotional fantasy. I I see this card being strengthened by the devil, right? By addiction, right? How, how do we disassociate from reality with drugs, with alcohol, with online shopping, with scrolling on our phone, right? This card represents the ways in which we disengage from our current experience to go into um, a a fantasy, right? To go into something that's going to take us out of our reality. Okay, you guys, and the last card that I want to um, kind of work through with you is the Eight of Cups. So the Eight of Cups is when all of our cups are basically broken. They're being spilled out. And the lesson of this card is knowing when to walk away, right? And often with the Eight of Cups, I see that we have probably stayed a little bit longer than we should have out of fear of the unknown. So if we are walking away from, let's say, a job, I've pulled this card when I needed to leave a job, um, we're afraid of what's next. You know, am I going to be able to get another job? Am I going to be happy at this other job? Am I going to have community at this other job? Am I going to be able to make enough money? Whatever it is, if we're walking away from a relationship, we're afraid to be lonely. We're afraid we may never find love again. So we'll just stay with this love, even though it's not the right love, even though I'm not being fulfilled with this love, maybe I'll just stay here because I might not be able to find something better, right? So the eight of cups is flanked with fear of the unknown, but we've got, we've stayed too long and we've become comfortable in a situation that's not normal. We may even be in an abusive situation, but we stay because 
there's again a younger wounded part of ourselves that is feeding off of this situation because this is what we have identified as normal and there are actually hormones that are produced in the body when we are in these situations that we become addicted to right and so it's a very much it's a stress response thing as as well but the medicine in moving through the eight is to walk away is to walk away, have the strength and the courage to walk away from what doesn't serve us and risk facing the unknown. And then when we get into the nine and 10, we see beautiful reward for our efforts, right? We see the results of emotional healing. In the nine, we have learned emotional independence. We're no longer codependent. We're no longer relying on other people to fulfill the needs that we can give ourselves. Of course, we always want to attract relationships and have that equal balance of give and receive. But with the nine, we learn that we don't need it. We don't need someone to come in and make us feel a certain way, right? We can do that on our own. And then with the 10, there's a sense of kind of beauty and abundance and emotional security. And we feel that we are receiving love from others and receiving love from the universe. And we feel abundant with emotional love and support and energy. All right, you guys. So I hope you enjoyed this little mini-sode. Um, I hope that you related to some of these um energies and how they come up in in our lives because they do and I think that the suit of cups is really important because we're often unless we're doing therapy and doing really deep spiritual work we're often not taught or modeled what you know self-care and emotional maturity and emotional responsibility really look like and one of the most healing opportunities for me was was beginning to use my tarot deck to reflect back to me wounds that really needed addressing and it just it gave me a resource and a language around it that I never had before um so if you're looking for ways to kind of level up and and grow on an emotional level then consider using the tarot um listen to this podcast consider taking my tarot course we'll dive even deeper into it there all right you guys i hope you enjoyed this and i'll see you next week for the full moon report no new moon report new moon in scorpio all right take care 